Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, again, we are glad you're here with us this morning. And we want to just kind of begin. We've been singing about our identity in Christ, and uh, I want you to watch this video. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP? A winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. And now I want you to watch one more video, and this is actor Jim Carrey at the 2016 Golden Globes. I think you'll be interested in what he says. From the upcoming film, True Crimes, please welcome two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. Thank you. I am two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey. Because then I would be enough. It would finally be true. And I could stop this, this terrible search. For what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. I got caught by what he said there at the end. Then I would be enough. It would finally be true. And I could stop this terrible search for what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. Jim Carrey spoke those words to people who, who believed that if many of them, if they could just win a Golden Globe, their life would be set. And yet he had two. And he admitted it was not enough. But that isn't just a problem for, for actors and famous people. It's a struggle for all of us. Since Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent raised doubt in Eve and Adam's minds that somehow their lives weren't complete unless they ate the forbidden fruit, human beings have been searching for that thing, that person, to fulfill us, to give us our identity. Without it, we feel hopeless, but Carrie says that we are, what we're searching for is a lie that fails to offer what it ultimately promises, hope, significance, 
identity. What a, what a hopeless quest. I mean, to, to seek something with all of your being and time and ability only to discover it's not the answer and can't give you what you're looking for. What is it that's at the top rung in your life? That if you could, if you could just get there, if you could just achieve it, you'd say, I, I've arrived and, and feel good about who you are and, and, and you don't need anything else. Is it a certain income, a particular job, a certain house or a car, getting married, having kids, getting kids out of the house? And yet at the same time, are we searching for something that, as Carrie said, ultimately won't fulfill me? What are we grounding our identity in that won't fail us at some point. The Apostle Paul talks about our, our identity in effect in his letter to the Romans, and then this morning we're going to see what God says about that. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, or you can use the Version Bible app, or if you have neither of those, pull out the notes that are in your bulletin that has the scriptures there and places to take some notes and follow along. Now, let me just set this up and say that in this passage, Paul is specifically talking to Christians, okay? I just want us to be clear. And if that's not where you're at right now, just know that if you're interested in, in, in what you discover this morning, you really can change that situation and claim what Paul is, is talking about here. So I'm going to begin in verse 3. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Paul writes, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Paul's saying that baptism is an identification, a, an imitation of what Christ went through. Speaking to Christians, that's whom he was writing to, who were claiming him as both their, their Savior, whose death on the cross paid the price for their sins, and as Lord, whose life that person pledged to follow through the leading and power of the Holy Spirit, they were baptized at their public confession of faith in Christ Jesus. Now, the physical act of being baptized into Christ Jesus didn't actually save them. But it was meant to be an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace, a reflection of the commitment of their heart to Christ that they had already made. But Paul's reminding his readers that their baptism was more than just a sign. He's saying that they were baptized into Christ's death and being immersed underwater. It was like being buried. Not to a, to a physical death like what happens when you and I die and we're, in many cases, put into the ground, but to the death of the power of sin in their lives and the death that it ultimately leads to. There's a sense of finality here to sin's power in the lives of followers of Jesus. At times in the Bible, sin is even depicted as an addiction, as something we, we, we don't have the power within ourselves to defeat on our own even though we listen to the lies of the devil. It's as, as if part of the human condition that began with Adam and Eve's sin essentially altered our spiritual DNA so that sin rules in our lives. 
And so being baptized into Christ Jesus doesn't mean we can't sin anymore, but it means that our souls are no longer so corrupted that we just can't help sinning. The power of sin is broken so that we aren't addicted to sin anymore. And yet Paul says we're not just buried with Christ. Verse 4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The celebration of Easter, we're just a couple of weeks past, wasn't just that Jesus was risen from the grave, but that when we commit our lives to him, we too will be raised from the dead to walk in newness of life. Now, Paul doesn't explicitly in this Romans 6 passage say that we're also raised with Christ, but he did in his letter to the Colossians, Colossians 2.12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted, you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And while there will be a, a final resurrection from the dead at some point in the future when Christ returns, Paul also means that in our baptism with Christ, we now begin to enter into a new life where sin no longer has to rule in us, that we are being made new. He wrote to the Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And, and notice the tense that, that, that Paul uses here. It's in the present. It's not simply in the future when we die or Jesus returns. The new has come. Guys, in Christ, and, and, I, and I say that kind of in quotes, out of Scripture, but also in our lives. In Christ, we're not locked into old desires, old thoughts, old practices. If you're tempted to say, well, that's just the way I am. I was born that way, or I can't change. I can't help it. It may very much feel hopeless. But I want to tell you, that's a lie straight out of hell. Now, I don't mean necessarily that it's easy to change, it may be incredibly difficult. It may require God working not only directly in you, but also working in you through the help of others around you. That's why we are a community. He calls us together to, to walk this journey together, to not walk it by ourselves. Because sometimes when I can't find it in myself, you become the voice of Christ to me, for he is, because you are in Christ, he speaks to me through you. And likewise, sometimes when, because I am in Christ, he speaks through me to you. What God is saying is that in Christ, you are, not will be, you are a new creation. I mean, that's, that's what we're singing this morning. And, and if you tell yourself you can't change, even if you're a Christian, I mean, this is not magic. And honestly, you won't change. 
In fact, it could lead you to feel even more hopeless because you've been clinging to expectations that somehow coming to faith in Christ is going to automatically lead to, to this. But the truth is you're not grounded in Scripture and the commitment you made to Christ. Paul wants us to grab a hold of this and claim it and live it in our lives. He says in verse 5, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved. There's that addictive quality to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And again, Paul isn't talking about physical death, but dying to sin through our conscious decision to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ so that we don't just believe in him, like, yeah, I believe he exists, I believe him, but we believe him, even if the world around us tells us otherwise. We are no longer enslaved to sin, we have been set free from sin. All the old tapes that, that, that want to play in our heads need to be thrown out because you don't have to keep going down that path. And this is so important that Paul reiterates it again, verse 8. Now, if you, we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For, if, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And, and in, in this last verse, Paul points to, to part of the real challenge that you and I face. We, we hear what's being said, and, and we may acknowledge it, but we may also have a really hard time making it a reality in how we live our lives day in and day out. We, because we're confronted with our own struggles with our own doubts, with our own fears. And and sometimes it seems very hard to hold on to the hope that's being offered here. So Paul says, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, he is using very direct, very commanding language. It's not saying, let me suggest this to you. Or I think this might be a good idea. Have you thought about this? And what's interesting is the word translated from the original Greek language as consider there in that, in that verse 11 can also be translated as think or count or calculate. See, Paul isn't referring here to a leap of faith. The word Paul uses was commonly in, in Greek culture it was a bookkeeping term used in calculating accounts in working out profits and losses. And when the bookkeeper calculated the numbers, he came up with answers. Those answers, those answers aren't created by the math. They're actually just simply revealing what is already there and is already true. In other words, doing the calculations doesn't add or subtract a single penny to a day's earnings. It doesn't create something new. It simply reveals what is already true what's all 
already there. Paul is calling you and me to do the math, to calculate what's already here. He's not calling us to come up with some fresh amount of spiritual courage in order to make some new leap of faith where we try to imagine ourselves no longer under the power of sin. It it, it may be hard to believe what the calculation reveals, but we're not being asked to try to believe something that's not yet apparent or seems unreachable. Faith calls us to open our eyes to what already is. Why do Christians do testimonials? Why do you go online and you watch something, can you watch something like I Am Second or anything like that and listen to Christians talk? Because we need to hear that, that what we feel is not necessarily the way it is, that Jesus died but was also resurrected and that has ushered in a new age, a new reality for us when we believe that what Christ has accomplished for his disciples is now ours. I already am all that he says I am. We just sang that. What our baptism tells us is that we must, we must consider, we must calculate, we must recognize the truth of the math that we are already dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The challenge, Paul tells us, for those of us who are already in Christ Jesus is to remember who we already are, not to take some new leap of faith. All through the Old Testament, God kept telling the the Israelite people, remember, remember the people I created you to be. Jesus said at the Last Supper, do this in remembrance of me. We have to think differently and recognize what the math is revealing. And for any of you who are engineers or scientists out there, what the math reveals is what it is. And what it reveals about ourselves and our identity in Christ. It's not self-deception. It's letting the truth of our union with Christ have its intended effect on our lives today. On how I am now living my life. I have a a living hope because I am not who I was, and, and God clearly sees this. And the challenge is for me to see this present truth, which baptism represents. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Jesus' death and resurrection prove how far God is willing to go for you, for you personally, and for people you know. The, the, The spiritual act of accepting this truth into your life, which we symbolize through baptism, is intended to communicate that my identity has changed. I really am a new creation. Regardless of how I feel, it's the value of of remembering your baptism, of continuing to claim what already is. If I've already claimed Christ in my life, then I don't have to keep searching. I just have to keep remembering, which is why reading God's Word is so important. 
Because every day it speaks the truth about us, to us. Sometimes it's not, not truth we want to read. But it also reveals good news that we all need to remind us of who we are without Christ, but also who we have become in Christ. You're not stuck in what you've always thought you were. You really can change. Every day of my life, events, circumstances, and voices call me something different. They dismiss me. They reduce me. They make fun of me. And so every day, I need to be reminded by God of who he says I am by reading his word, that I am all he says I am. It's why we're emphasizing this journey of discipleship to help you and me claim who Christ says you and I already are and live out that reality that frees us from sin to walk in newness of life. And it's not too late to still attend some of our practical discipleship classes this evening. There's, there's info in your bulletins, or you can go out to you can look at the Find It page on the website or talk to folks out in the Next Steps area in the lobby. And by the way, there, there's childcare and there's dinner. So act today to claim the truth, Christ's truth for you. Listen, listen to what it means to be in Christ. I want to share some scriptures. These are, I think they're all in your, your notes. But, but listen, Genesis 1, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You've been created in God's image. Ephesians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse, beginning of verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Do you hear that? It gave God great pleasure to choose you and offer you to adoption into his family. Psalm 8, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man? that you care for him, and yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Romans 6, we often quote the first part of this, for the wages of sin is death, but the good news follows immediately after that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. 
Galatians 3, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. What's that old saying? God don't make no junk. And yet how often do we think of ourselves because something goes wrong at work, something goes wrong in a relationship, somebody says something. But the Bible says, God's word says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? As Betsy said earlier, 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And John 1, 12, but to all who did receive Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right, the right to become children of God. Gavin Ortland wrote these words. The most powerful words I've discovered in my sanctification are, and this is in quotes, this is not who I am anymore. He says the real power in speaking those words into temptation, into shame, into fear, into anger. And likewise, there is nothing like the joy of truly overcoming sin. And then saying, and knowing it to be true, this is, is who I am now. I, I titled this message today, Hope for Change. But I didn't mean it to be hoping for change, like we're kind of hoping something will happen. But that with the hope of Christ, hope, comma, I can change. It's not a verb, but a noun. I am who he says I am. I am all that he says, I am. So let's watch a video that I showed you the first part of it before. We're gonna watch the whole thing this time. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist, an accountant, a teacher, a mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student, an MVP, a winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, 
I'll always try to please people instead of my heavenly father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace his identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all he has planned for me. God calls me his child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? And this is again what scripture says. To all who did receive Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Some of you this morning, maybe you've forgotten that. And you need to remember. But some of you maybe have never actually claimed that in your life. This morning, I want to encourage you to receive Jesus Christ into your life, to welcome him in and discover who he says you can become and are becoming in him, to believe and become a child of God, to not be satisfied or content or putting up with what the world says about you, what people say about you, what your boss says about you, what people are saying about you behind your back. But what does the the only one who really matters, who created you, and whom Scripture says before the beginning of time chose you to adopt you if you would join him? This morning, you can do that. I'm going to pray in just a second. And if you need to pray this prayer, I hope you will. And just in your heads, repeat it to God to welcome Christ into your life. And then I want you to tell somebody. You may want to come down and talk to our prayer team if you've got questions or you want help with that. And you can tell them or you can tell a friend. You can tell the person seated next to you. But claim it. Be all he says you are in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so easy to get caught up in what we want, what we think is the answer. We search for the equivalent of a golden globe to make us somebody when you've already said that in Christ, we are all that we need to be. This morning, Father, for those of us who haven't made that decision, hear us. I confess that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I confess that I've tried to do it myself 
on my own too long. I confess that I've listened to other voices that ultimately aren't true. And so now I ask you, Father, send your son into my life. I welcome Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord, to save me from my sins and to lead me as my Lord from this day forward so that I can be all you say I am. Regardless of what others think, regardless of even sometimes what I think or feel, help me to claim this truth. And Father, because the enemy is so powerful and because there's so much of our world today that doesn't believe this, help me to spend time daily with you. Because out of sight, out of mind, it's so easy for me to forget And even if I committed my life to you years ago, it may very well be that I have forgotten so much truth and lived my life with very little hope. Today, Father, whether I'm committing my life to you for the first time or I am renewing that commitment and remembering all that you say I am, help me to live for you. Help me to live to be all you say I am. Help me to count, to calculate what is already true in Christ for me, regardless of what the world says, that I might bring you honor and glory, that my life would have the purpose you created me for, that I would be the masterpiece you made me to be, that I would be used by you to share that good news far and wide because I'm not the only one this way. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your only son to die for us that we might have life and have it abundantly. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you want to talk to our prayer team, great. We would love for you to. I'll be out here with some friends. God bless you. Be all God says you are. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.